Hello and welcome to the very first Full 10 Yards College podcast. Uh, yeah, very, very excited to bring you all, uh, the people, the good people, a dedicated college podcast. Something that, you know, we'll say this with a, with a bit of pride, um, something that you don't find very often on this side of the pond, I would say. So yeah, very excited indeed and hopefully we'll go from strength to strength like everything at the Full 10 Yards. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a big, big spurt of growth, lots of content coming out, which, you know, I'm enjoying being a part of and sure I'm, I'm hoping that everyone's enjoying reading and, and listening to that. Uh, and obviously part of that is pretty soon we'll be moving to a slightly different uh, programming schedule, so you'll be able to hear much more of me and other members of the Full 10 Yards team, um, as well as brilliant guests in the near future. Uh, and you've obviously heard that already and, and read that about that already. So you know if you're into college football or the NFL draft, this is the place to be. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button and keep your eyes and ears peeled. Um, so in this particular episode, uh, I've brought in Rob Grimwood, um, who is obviously our fantasy guru here at the Full 10 Yards. Uh, and obviously, if you're a regular listener, you'll be very familiar with him because uh, he's obviously been our co-host, one of my co-hosts um, on the main podcast for quite a while now. And his fantasy knowledge and his NFL takes will be uh, something that you're well well versed in. Um, but obviously, apart from apart from his fantasy uh, fantasy love, he's also got a love for college football and is an avid Notre Dame fan. I uh, don't know if uh, that's kind of been mentioned before, but yeah, Rob, how are you, mate? You okay? I'm very well, Lee. Um, I, so I don't know whether to take offence with you've got big guests lined up. Is that including me or not including me? Am I a colleague? Oh, you're, yeah, I don't you're, know how you're, to take you're that a colleague. One. You're a colleague. You're not a <laughs> oh, guest. Okay. All right. We're all, we're all um, around each other's places kind of thing, aren't we? And when we're sort of piggybacking on each other's podcasts exactly. and stuff like that, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're not a guest. But, you're, you're a colleague for sure. But you were very kind saying that I've, I've got NFL takes because... I think everyone that listens to the NFL show will know that I've got particularly bad takes. Uh, you know, I'm not ashamed of it either. So, you know, uh, hashtag Jameis Winston top ten qu- uh, quarterback. Not yet. sure. Not sure if they're bad or good. You know, only time will tell. But you know, it's it's a good thing that you're willing to sort of stick your neck out there and and not not sort of subscribe to group thing. Can you yeah. want to say your own things? So, yeah, I can definitely respect that. Well, I'm I'm on a one year contract with you guys, so you know I've got to prove my worth, haven't I? Uh, so I'm, I'm making these big calls, and hopefully a couple of them are going to come in, so I, I can get an extension. So in in effect, something that's popped into my head. Obviously, you mentioned about this Gio Bernard question that you asked at the NFL Live event. You mentioned it on your podcast last week with uh, yes. with Thomas on the Fantasy Podcast. Does that make you Gio Bernard? Obviously, we've got a new new set of writers in there, all our rookies. Are you sort of trying to fend them off? Are you trying to take them under your wing? What what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, we've got a few lot of fresh blood in here, but I think I've proved my worth to the uh, the full ten yards team. I think you know, I think I've proved what I can give to Tim and 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 yourself uh, here. So hopefully, I can fend them that new blood off and and continue to per, per, you know produce some rubbish content, which hopefully I hit <laughs> hit on one or two. <laughs> that sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Melvin God should maybe take a take a leaf out of your book and sign his contract. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah. No, but uh, definitely looking forward to this show. I've uh, been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now, actually, Lee. It's, um, you know, finally getting off, off the ground. And a college podcast is, like you said right at the beginning there, few and far between in this country particularly. And I am buzzing uh, to talk about what we're going to talk about today and, and get into the, get into the college football. Nice, yeah, cool. No, I got to hear it. Yeah, it's been, a little bit, it's been a little bit of time in the making, hasn't it? We mentioned it when Tim was away and kind of sold the seeds yep. then and now here it is. So, yeah, very first college podcast. Let's talk some college football. Uh, and before we get into this topic, just going to get started by, you know, talking a little bit about ourselves and um, just want to ask you one question, really. What what made you choose the Fighting Irish as your team? Just set the scene for the listeners. <laughs> well, a few years ago when I started getting into college football, because I'm, I'm only kind of two or three years into college football, uh, so nowhere near as long as I've been following the NFL. Um, so kind of two things t- took into my mind. I, I, I did. I used to like watching the Florida Gators a few years okay. ago, um, but then... I've obviously a massive Indianapolis fan mm-hmm. and I felt like I should keep it local within in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the teams that are in Indiana and obviously you've got Purdue who are a good team, but not, not kind of not going to be banging on the door of top 10 anytime soon. I wouldn't have thought. Sure. Um, no, that's true. You've got obviously IU as well, who are the same kind of uh, in, in the same kind of bracket. And then you've got Notre Dame who are obviously the best out of the bunch and were the sort of, in the top 25 a bit of glory hunting i guess <laughs> would be the right answer um but i love i love the 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 logo that and you know the, the irish theme to it and they're coming over to ireland next year as well so it was a bit closer to home so all of those things was a kind of a perfect storm really so that's when i started following uh, notre dame it was, yeah three years ago i guess i, I was a uh, i could say that i i fully fledged the uh the notre dame fan 
sort of passage. Awesome. No, that's really cool. That's really good answer. Really good, really good college as well. One thing that I really like about Notre Dame is that as an independent, they get to like pick their own schedule, so it's not sort of the same. But then yeah. they also retain that sort of traditional sense, which obviously is, college football is obviously full of tradition and things like that. So you know things like the Stanford game and, and all the other traditions that yep. fall Notre Dame, the Navy, yeah, the Navy game, game as well, game, the Navy exactly, game, exactly. Game. And then obviously coming over to Ireland yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, really, good, really good school, and obviously produced a lot of good players and uh, one of your favourite players yep. as well, the, the Pancake Monster, as you call him. Yeah, the pancake monster indeed. <laughs> yes, over uh, over at the Colts. Yes. So uh, you know Quentin Nelson, and you know the last few years Notre Dame have been sort of renowned for their offensive line, um, but this year I think there's a bit of a change in the guard. Uh, I think we're going to be more of a defensive team. I really, really like Notre Dame's defense this year, uh, so I think we're going to see a step up in in, in the defense for sure. Um, and Ian Book as well, really impressed with him. He beat out Brendan Wimbush last year uh, and looked really, really good. Obviously, we we're unbeaten. Obviously, got into the, t- uh, the the playoffs for the first time in a long while. Mm. And it just, yeah, it was a bit of a perfect storm. I, I keep saying that, but it's, <laughs> it was. Um, and it was it was thoroughly enjoyable to watch uh, last season. I don't know if we're going to go unbeaten this season. I think we've got a pretty, we've got a couple of tough games. Um, Michigan, uh, in particular, uh, in Ann Arbor, that'll be a, a very tough game. Play Georgia um, as well, don't you? I, uh, Georgia, yeah. So I, yeah, we've got, we have got, I think, a tougher schedule this year. So I don't think we'll go unbeaten, but um, I still think we'll be in the top. Yeah, 10. It should be a good ride. No, I'm, I'm right as well. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> so I haven't even spoken yet. You're right um, about Ian Book. I'm quite, quite looking forward to seeing him. He was kind of flying under the radar a little bit, um, but yeah, obviously going mm-hmm. unbeaten, you get some. You get some hype around you, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Ian Book. And also Brandon Wimbush as well. I think he's gone to UCF now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he has, yes. To replace yeah. Mackenzie Melton, obviously with that horrific injury. Yep. Um, and yeah, it'd be yeah. good to see what he does uh, down there. Um, awesome. So just kind of like to answer my own question, just to set the scene a little bit um, in terms of sort of where sort of my allegiances lie. I'm a bit of a college yeah, yeah. neutral. Um, I've definitely got a soft spot for a couple of teams, um, but I don't really nail my maths to any particular team, nail my colours to any particular team. Um, I think it makes me a little less biased when I'm watching players and assessing them. But I will definitely say this: I definitely gravitate towards the Pac-12. I love watching the Pac-12. I think it's a great conference. It's a very even conference, uh, and that's why, as FNY uh, college lead, I'll be covering the Pac-12 because you know I've got that power. So I'll just do what I want. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think lots of Pac-12 interest for me, and um, and yeah, I'm just kind of repping that really rather than rather than one particular yeah. team and, and kind of just talking about players from all around everywhere but I'll definitely like be a little bit um, yeah, forceful definitely. with my takes about the if, 12 If I was to tie you up though and put a gun to your head who would it be? See I've always had a soft spot for Washington and their defensive backs because I'm a, you know you know me Huskies, you know me yeah. I'm a defensive guy uh-huh. And, and you know, you mentioned on your podcast that you know I do love defense, and that's my brand, that's my jam. Um, yep. And yeah, I've just realized a lot of Washington D backs come out um, over the last few years. So yeah, I kind of had a soft spot for them, but then I kind of like a lot of the teams down there in the Pac-12. So I can't really nail my nail my colors to the Huskies' mass, but yeah, I definitely have a soft mm-hmm. spot for Washington for sure. See, I think if I was. If I hadn't known better and you asked me to guess your team, I'd have probably guessed LSU just because of that defensive kind of uh, kind of thing because they, they churn out DBs like as they jog. Yeah, I definitely. I think I, I covered that, didn't I, the other, the other day on Pile Lines, I think a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, got a lot yeah. of respect for LSU. I'll definitely be talking about someone from their team fairly soon on this podcast. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, I just like the Pat 12. I like how it's, I mean, it's, it's good and it's bad and I'll, I'll, I'm going to do, college uh conference re- preview sorry in the near future and yeah well, i'm gonna do the pac 12 one and i kind of mentioned this that there's a lot of parity in the pac 12 and it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing at the same time but i kind of like it because the teams just beat up on each other <laughs> and there's a lot, a lot of good yeah, defenders that come out of there so what are we doing today we've teased it a little bit so what we're going to do obviously the college football is just a couple of weeks away that's right week zero is about 18 days away so what Rob and I are going to do is we're going to run through some players to watch for the coming football season, so like signposts and sort of keep your eyes peeled for some of these players. Of course, there are five power conferences. What we're going to do is we're going to take a player from each conference. Rob's taking offence and, of course, I'm taking defence because, as I mentioned, that's my jam. And then to spice, it, to spice it up a little bit, what we're going to do is we're both going to both talk about a wildcard player. So this could be a player from the opposite side of the ball that we've talked about, a player that we didn't mention just from like, a, like one of the conferences that we did. Uh, also, more from an independent school. So maybe Rob will wax poetic about one of the Notre Dame guys. So that's how we're going to do. We're going to signpost. Uh, we're gonna, well, we're going to say 12 players, but I'm sure we'll get a few mentions, a few more in there. So how about we do it? Rob, you ready? I am ready. Awesome. Born awesome. ready. So let's go ahead and start. And let's start with the Southeast Conference. Uh, 
the SEC. Mm-hmm. Rob, which offensive player are you eyeing up in the SEC? Uh, there's one guy in the... I mean, by the way, just as a... I, you know how I love my disclaimer. Of course. Year. Uh, there, there is literally probably fifty people that I was uh, on my on uh-huh. my hit list here. Oh yeah, uh, not just in the SEC, but throughout the offensive college. Obviously, it's such a big, uh, massive amount of mm-hmm. pe- uh, players mm-hmm. uh, and good talent. So nailing just one is very hard. But the one guy that I can't get enough of, and I cannot wait to see him in the NFL, and that's Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama. He's he's basically just a Julio Jones. That's the best way of explaining it. He's that good. He's so good. He's, he's, he's quick. He's great hands, great route running. He's just the perfect wide receiver for me. Um, and yeah, Jerry Judy for me, he, this season is going to be lights out. He's 6'1", 192 uh, pounds. Uh, last season, he had... I've just got it written down here. Apologies. Uh, uh, rushing receiving. He had 1,315 rushing, uh, receiving yards, sorry. Not and bad. 14 And 14 receiving touchdowns. That's elite. He's in the best school in college, and he is going to be dynamite. Yeah, no, he's, he's very, very good. He's probably one of the best route runners that I have seen in college football ever. And, you know, yeah. he'll, he'll be one of the better route runners instantly as soon as he makes it to the NFL. He, he runs the full route tree. He full, runs them all well. You know, we got this thing where we talk about, you know, we've talked about someone like DK Metcalf, let's say, and he's been sort of chastised mm-hmm. for only running a certain amount of the route tree. Joe Judy's like the complete opposite. And I'm not, obviously everyone knows that I'm a DK Metcalf fan and I love him, but Joe Judy is like the ultimate yeah. wide receiver in that regard. He's so smart. He's so quick. He can stop on a dime. He's got great hands, as you say. Yeah, he's great. He probably needs to put a bit of weight on. I would say 192 is a little bit light. Uh, for the NFL, but you know, mm-hmm. if if you're that elite and that quick, and you can run routes that well, you're gonna get some separation. You know, even if even if you yeah, even if you are putting on ten pounds, which is what I'd probably think he needs to do. But anyway, he's he's gonna be good. He's gonna be lights out. He's gonna be really interesting to watch for the for the coming season. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah, and I think over at the draft network, I think they've actually got him down as their number one prospect for the 2019 season. So yeah, we started on a high. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to go top three NFL uh, draft next year. I do. I really think he's going to be um, a very sought-after prospect. Uh, just a couple of uh, honourable mentions yeah, as well while we're here. Um, offensive tackle from Georgia, Andrew uh, Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas. Uh, he's probably the best tackle in uh, coming through this year. Uh, he's again, he's he's one of these molds where he's just going to fit straight into an NFL team. And he's just going to be great. He's going to be like Quinton Nelson, but the, the tackle version. Um, and yeah, he was, he's he's absolutely brilliant for Georgia. And uh, two others, just to quickly mention. Oh, sorry, three no, others. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, DeAndre Swift, real quickly from from Georgia, running back. Um, again, he he's meant to be in the first round next year, I believe, uh, for all the mock drafts, and he looks like he could be lights out for Georgia. Uh, the running back from uh, Alabama, Najee Harris, is one of my favourites. Um, he's got a massive role. He's coming into uh, last year. He wasn't so productive, but um, he was behind, obviously, Damian Harris uh, and. Josh Jacobs, he was the other running back from Alabama. Josh Jacobs, thank you very much. Uh, so he, he wouldn't have got in last year because they had, he had two great running backs in front of him. This year, it's all his, so he's going to get all of the all of the carries there in Alabama. Uh, and another one, just to quickly mention, and I'm going to absolutely butcher <laughs> this name. I apologise, but it's Albert Okwebunam. Thank you. That's the tight end from Mizzou. He's uh, he's currently the sort of uh, consensus number one tight end coming out, and could be a, a, a um, could be a round one prospect as well uh, in twenty twenty draft. Yeah, no, I like all those names, um, especially Najee Harris. He's really interesting because, like you say, uh, Alabama. Obviously, like I covered this in my Spy Lines article a couple of weeks ago with mm. linebackers, but that you know, if I'm talking about Alabama, it could have been so many positions. I think I mentioned that you know they churn oh, yeah. out wide receivers. As we mentioned Jerry Judy, and obviously everyone's talking about Henry Ruggs yep. and Devonta Smith. You know, they turn churn out running backs. You know, we can go through the last few years of the draft. They've been turning out running backs like nobody's business. And you know, there's always someone else. Like you know, you lose a player like. Uh, Josh Jacobs, and then you've got Najee Harris right behind. You know, it happens every year, and then I'm sure when Najee Harris gets drafted, yeah. there'll be another one just right behind him. It's, it's an insane yeah. like tra- talent factory. Uh, but yeah, no, like really like those names. Definitely people to watch uh, out for. And I can't. There's 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 actually someone screaming at the uh, at the at their device right now saying, "Why haven't you mentioned Tua Tagovailoa as well?" Obviously, we haven't mentioned him just yet, but he is the. Uh, he, 
you know default number one coming into uh, 2020 he is arguably the best quarterback in college we'll probably have that discussion in a little <laughs> while though uh but yes he's obviously one to watch out for he's, he's the quarterback for alabama yeah no definitely um he's my quarterback too at the moment and, and I'm, I'm generally concentrate on draft eligible players so i'm not including trevor lawrence in that just for yeah. just before everyone like gets in the mentions and stuff like that when they hear this um i had justin herbert above him so I'm just going to say that for right now and just get that out there. But that's all to change, you know. It's it's August. It's the start of August. It could all be changing yep. in the coming months. Exactly. Anyway, let's switch over. To- how about oh, sorry, your? How about you- yeah? How about? No, I was just about to say. How about your defensive players here? Yeah, so my defensive players. So my SEC defensive player to watch out for, and this is starting off with a big hit, just like you did. This is Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU. He's six foot one and two hundred and three pounds. So that's what Joe Judy should weigh. Um, but yeah, there's a reason why Grant Delpit's going to wear the number seven jersey for LSU this coming season, and I'll make it really, really easy for everyone. It's because he is very good. Uh, Delpit is, from what I've seen mm-hmm. so far, uh, the best defender in the SEC. Like, just the period, that's it. Like, he's so good. He's a Derwin James-style chess piece that's going to be moved all over the next level, yep. and that's how he's used at LSU as well, as a mismatch neutralizer. Um, as we all know, the NFL, like, offensively, is just about creating mismatches with superior size, strength, speed, or scheme. Uh, Delpit can be used against all those things. He's a great tackler. He's got the football IQ to line up everywhere. Uh, he can read the quarterback's eyes, and when he does, he's got the athleticism to make plays. You know, when we're talking about safeties, we often talk about range, especially if they're playing a little bit deeper. Delpit's range is that big rectangle, the whole thing whole field um you know we're talking about draft position and things like that and maybe it's a little bit early to do that you know but with safety they don't get drafted too high because of positional value but when the spring rolls around again i think like judy this could be a top five player in the draft class yeah he, i was gonna say do you do you think grant Delpit is locked in for a top 10 definitely with 100 percent? he should be but obviously you know we saw this with Derwin james we saw it with with other safeties down the you know the years that they they dropped yeah. for, for reasons that other positions just valued better and more and more highly. Someone, I guess, a team would rather take like a unrefined pass rusher or an unrefined tackle, as we saw. Maybe not that high, but you know, with someone um, like Titus Howard with the Texans in the draft just gone this year, someone would, someone like that with raw ability, a sort of more valued position would would get taken over a safety usually. But Grant Delpit might be the exception to that rule. He might be going really high. You know, we're talking like Jamal Adams, and obviously he's another. Another LSU safety that came out a few years ago and now is one of the better safeties in the NFL, even though he's only been in the league for a few years. Grant Delpit could be one of those, yeah, for yeah. sure. I think maybe, you know, I think when we talk about draft position and then how we rank them in the draft class, it's kind of a different thing. I think Grant Delpit would be a top five player, whether he gets drafted in the top five or top ten will be a different thing altogether. Yeah. Is he is he lights out the best safety for you in college? I mean, obviously Isaiah Simmons from Clemson's pretty half decent as well, expected to go high in the first round. He's is Delpit for you lights out number one? Yeah, I would say so. Um, at the moment, especially, he's the best safety that I've watched so far. Um, Xavier McKinney from Alabama is pretty good as well. And um, yeah, like you say, Isaiah Simmons, although Isaiah Simmons might be moving to linebacker and he might play more of a linebacker role this year. But again, that's just more sort of what, okay. how it's kind of moving towards, isn't it? You know, you obviously, I'm a Chargers fan. I've seen, you know, the Chargers play seven DBs and. We drafted Drew Tranquil, who was a safety before being coming a linebacker and things like that. You know, it's just the way the game's going. I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be one of those. But yeah, Grant Delpit, I think, is number one safety for me so sure. far. So let's move on to our next conference. Um, Rob, do you want to talk about your guy from the ACC? Uh, yes, the ACC. We well, you did half mention him, and <laughs> I, I, I am look. I'm 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 interested to see what Trevor Lawrence does this year. Of course. Um, simply because I know he's not draft eligible this year, but you know this guy could could be you know the best quarterback since Andrew Luck to come out of college. You know, mm. and he he certainly showed it last year. Obviously, he, him and uh, Kelly Bryant uh, were the kind of quarterbacks heading into last year, and you know he won that battle hands down. Uh, and by the end of the year, that Alabama game, I mean he looked like an NFL quarterback. And you know who's he's a junior. Mm-hmm. You know what. <laughs> It's it's crazy. Trevor Lawrence is, yeah, like I said, he's a it's a top top prospect. And sorry, he was a freshman last year, not junior. Um, you know, he's a top top prospect, and I'm just excited to see what he's going to do in his sophomore year. Uh, he threw for just over three thousand yards last year and thirty touchdowns with just four interceptions. Um, you know, 
the guy's got it all. He's he's got he's he's mobile. He's not the best runners, but he's he's mobile. He's got a good arm, a strong arm. He's accurate. I I I, I love watching him, and he's got he's got sick hair as well. <laughs> um, you know, and he, I think the hair as well probably adds to his six six frame. I don't know what he is without his hair. Um, probably five three. Uh, but yeah, six six, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Yeah, no, he he's the prodigal son, isn't he? You know, he's the next coming. Yeah, he's going to have people scrapping over him. He's going to have people tanking over him. You know, we've already started tank for Trevor already. Um, and it's two years away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's like super accurate. Yeah. He's, yeah. like you say, he's he's got everything that you need. He's not super mobile. He's not going to be a mobile quarterback. He's not a dual threat at all. But he's definitely got enough mobility not to be a statue and to kind of evade pressure. And you yeah, would think, exactly. you know, like he's doing this as a freshman. He's no Eli Manning. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And who wants to be that? And, you know, like you said, yeah. he's doing this as a freshman. So, you know, he's got a year or two, well, he's got two at least, to kind of get better. And that's the scary thing. You know, are we going to be talking about the best? I know we get a lot of hyperbole around this sort of thing, but is he going to be the best quarterback prospect to come out of college in generations? You know, and we do talk about generational players way too much. And it's a phrase that's thrown around far too easily. It's a bit like legend in soccer. You know, but Trevor Lawrence is, is, has got it. You know, he's he's going to be up there. He's, and because he plays mm-hmm. for Clemson, he's going to be playing in the big games over and over again for the next couple of years so yeah he's he's great yep. yeah i can't wait to see what he does uh and what this clemson offense does um obviously i dropped supply lines today and you know talking about wide receivers and all the weapons that he has so yeah it goes goes hand in hand and kind of marries up quite nicely with that so yeah if you sort of like trevor lawrence go over yeah. uh to the full 10 yards and go and read my article <laughs> so Definitely worth doing, um, but yeah, I mean, other other than Trevor, like the ACC obviously is Clemson, and and Clemson mm. and only Clemson really. Uh, Travis Etienne, the the running back, is worth mentioning as an honourable mention uh, because he is also an unbelievable running back who should go in probably the first round, I guess, next year. Yeah, I think him and um, Swift, who you mentioned earlier, I think they're going to be the top two, maybe with another one in there, running backs. Uh, who are going to be available yep. next year? Etienne's just got like a second, third, fourth, fifth gear. He's just so quick. Um, yeah, if he yep. can kind of stay healthy, I think, and stay that explosive, I think the the, the sky's the limit for him. Yep, definitely. Who've you got on defense? Awesome. So yeah, on defense, this is quite a difficult one. I got Shaq Quartman, the linebacker out of Miami. He's six one. He's two forty. I'm not going to lie. I kind of shoehorned in yep. linebacker because I wanted to have like an even spread. Uh, get an every level of defence into this programme. Otherwise, we'll just have a list of defensive backs. And the next guy I'm going to talk about, who isn't a defensive back, I'm not a massive <laughs> fan of linebackers in this class, I'm going to be honest. Uh, there's not many in college football that I really, really like. And, you know, if there's any, like I said before, I concentrate on draft-eligible players. If there's any freshman, sophomore linebackers out there, I'm, I'm not going to really concentrate on them. But this junior and senior linebacker isn't great. There's only a couple but like you know, I think you mentioned Dylan Moses. A uh, couple of, or oh, maybe it was off air. I can't remember now. <laughs> maybe I've ruined something. Yeah, it was off I air. I maybe yeah. ruined something for you there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 it's fine because that's the SEC. So yeah. you've just been through that. Uh, I forgot to mention that I like Dylan Moses, linebacker from Alabama. <laughs> getting those picks in, getting those players in. Um, yeah, there's, there's not many. But then again, because there's so much parity and so much evenness around this linebacker, and no one's sort of leading the pack so much. There are quite a few ones to watch because everyone could, everyone's got a chance to get ahead. You know, I think Shaq Quartman's pretty good. He's really experienced. He turns up in the backfield, registers tackles for loss and sacks with a fair amount of regularity. So he gets those stats, yep. which is what a lot of people look out for. It's not the be all and end all, but you know, he he makes plays. Um, when I watch the tape of him, I see a fair amount of athleticism. He's quick. He's strong. And as a three-year starter, though, I expect a little bit more. He doesn't seem to have the mental side of the game down very much. He's not very good in coverage, for example. Um, I feel like he's a bit like me on a Friday afternoon in work. He looks very busy on the field. He's a lot of movement, but he's not actually doing anything. He's kind of like, you know, a lot of activity with not a lot of productivity. <laughs> um, you know, Quartman's got one more year at the U to kind of grasp his chance and rise up the right minds and the rankings of people. And I hope he can take it because I think the ingredients are all there. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying about, about the linebackers particularly. Uh, like I said, a, cu- a couple of the linebackers... I think this is their chance to to prove because it, it like you said it's it's a quite a skinny group of linebackers this year. So so players like Shaq at Miami and Dylan Moses at Alabama and another um, guy we haven't mentioned yet because we've not been into the Big Ten. But Paddy Fisher is another linebacker for mm. me who I really like. I think these guys have got an opportunity to really step it up because there is a you know there is a hole for for linebackers in this draft. 
yeah, no, I, th- I think so. Uh, yeah, Paddy Fisher is another one. He got a little bit of buzz last year before not you know, turning it as good a season as was expected. Um, mm. And Marcus Bailey's another one at Purdue, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, obviously, local kind of to the Colts in Indiana. Uh, he's uh, getting some buzz yep. as well. So, yeah, these these guys are kind of at the start line um, of their sort of final race. Uh, and then they're all starting at the same level. So, yeah, it's whoever can get ahead, really, and uh, and sort of stake a claim to be the number one linebacker. Because there isn't a Roquan Smith, there isn't a, a, a number, like a top linebacker in this class, I don't think. Some, someone that's going to be like a top yeah. 10, 15 uh, pick. I don't, just don't see that, unless someone comes from nowhere. Cool, let's stop. Yeah. The Devils well, yeah, from last year. Yeah, yeah exactly, two of them, yeah. Anyway, let's stop talking about bad linebackers. Let's move on to the Big Ten, <laughs> uh, where there's plenty of good players. So who have you got there earmarked for the Big Ten? Yeah, the Big Ten, there was, there was a lot of talent in the offense on the Big Ten. I, I found it hard to to nail mm-hmm. just one name down, but I did eventually. I could have had Rondell Moore, wide receiver from Purdue, uh, electric wide receiver who's so talented, good to watch. Jonathan Taylor, arguably the best running back in the in, in college football this year. And Wisconsin center, Tyler Bayadash as well. He's a guy that is one of the best centers, or the best center coming out of the 2020 class. But I did, I settled on I settled on Anthony McFarland running back from Maryland uh, 5'8 193 pounds uh, just clipped over a thousand yards last year with four touchdowns so not not massive stats but I think he proved last game of the season or second mm. last game of the season against Ohio State he went for nearly 300 yards so the talent is there for him to have massive games I think we're going to see more of that this year yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, like you say, he's small but he's stocky. You know, 193 pounds at that sort of height is. Um, I'd like to see him add a bit of in the in the passing game because obviously he's a small back in the NFL. You're looking to to sort of become that receiver, which he doesn't really have a great deal of receiving stats. I I imagine, and I I think I remember you've probably got it up there in front of you. Yeah, it's uh, only seven for seventy-three. That's all I got yeah. down for the receiver. Yeah, it's good. That it's good to sort of throw in small school guy and our smaller program anyway. Uh, everyone knows, yes, you know, my exactly. sort of. I've watched a bit of Maryland. Uh, anyone who listens to the show, as I said, um, Daniel Savage, my my boy. Um, so yeah, no, I like that shout. Um, and like you say, it's it's kind of all about growth and it's kind of about signposting, not just the bigger players and and kind of seeing the smaller guys and the, the people who might yeah. not be sort of on people's radars and and sort of saying that yeah, this this might be the diamond in the rough that might emerge this season, the twenty nineteen season. I think it's it's harder for. A running back particularly, I think it's harder for a running back in a smaller school to be good because you're playing against the tougher teams. Whereas the running backs mm. in Georgia and Alabama who are obviously playing a lesser than teams all the time always look good because the statistics are much better. I mean, you look at Bryce Love for Stanford two years ago. He was well over 2,500 rushing yards. Um, mm. Where's he ended up? Or well, he's ended up at the Washington Redskins, but no one's talking about him. You know what I mean? Because he was in a really good team right then with a really good offense, a really good offensive line, and they were playing sort of subpar teams. Whereas someone like Anthony McFarland out of Maryland is in a smaller school but playing bigger colleges and he's still looking good. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that level of competition is really important. That's one thing I definitely look at. Uh, when I'm sort of evaluating players, and I, I mention that all the time when the draft rolls around, and you know, if there's a small school guy who kind of dominates, then that's great. Um, but if it's a small school guy and he doesn't dominate as much and he's playing against a level of competition that's not great, then just count him out for me. So, yeah, no, like that shout, like yeah. that very much. Um, my Big Ten guy is very much a, a main player, someone I alluded to earlier. Um, it's Chase Young out of Ohio State, the edge defender. He's six foot five and 265 pounds. So, as I mentioned, he's like the exact dimensions that you'd want from an edge defender. Probably could put on a little bit of weight, but, you know, not too much. Uh, Young plays as a hand in the dirt, predominantly uh, 3-4 defensive end for Ohio State and is all kinds of explosive. He gets off the ball in a flash, he's long, powerful, he's got several uh, pass rush moves in his arsenal and I think that's a really important aspect, um, just going back to you know previous sort of draft classes, there's plenty, plenty of big fast defensive ends or outside linebackers in college football and the NFL who just don't have a clue what they're doing, I would say, uh, quite bluntly. Uh, they've got all the physical attributes that you'd want but... If you want to be great, that's just not going to cut it. Just being sort of big and fast and strong, it gets you a certain gets you to a certain point. But after that, you know you've got to have some plan. You've got to have some finesse about your game. I would say and this is why I was so down. Just going a couple of years back to Marcus Davenport, who got drafted by the Saints. After they traded up, traded away a first round pick to the Packers uh, to get him, and that's why you know Davenport to me was just an athlete playing pass rusher with no refined aspects of his game. 
yeah, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but back to Young, he sort of wins on athleticism, but then again, he also has uh, a pass rush move and he has a pass rush arsenal that he can bring out, and you can kind of see it's between the ears as well. Yeah. You know, he plays for Ohio State, he, Ohio State just recruits athletes most of the time, and he just destroys competition on athletic traits alone, but... You know, he got nine and a half sacks and you can see there is, like I say, between the ears in that as well. So I'd look for that number to go up and if he comes out, I think we're looking at top five pick because, you know, we talked about Grant Delpit earlier. You know, Edge is probably one of the most important positions, if not the most important position, especially on defence. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that just positional value just goes up and up and up. And yeah, Chase Young is, I would say, and I know AJ Espinosa might have a bit of something to say about this. I think he's the best pass rusher in college football. I, I definitely, I agree with you, I think, actually. Um, you know, he had a breakout season last year because of Nick Bosa who went down. Um, but it, also the, the the defensive ends and they are full in this. In just looking down the the twenty twenty mock draft list here, there was a lot of defensive ends coming out this year. Um, mm. But I definitely think yeah, Chase Young is probably the best out of the bunch. I think. Yeah, I can't wait. Obviously, we've got a lot of new writers on staff at the Full Ten Yards College. I can't wait for Trevor, who's our uh, Big Ten. Uh, sort of correspondent or writer he's got all the pass rushers in this division you know he's got Chase Young he's got AJ Epineza he's got Yuturma Gross Matos and yeah so he's going to have all the fun writing about all these guys so yeah I'm looking forward to reading what he has to say about Chase Young and obviously he'll be coming on the podcast at some point soon as well so yeah we'll get his thoughts on uh, on this young yeah. man and I hope I certainly hope that he can pronounce them as well as you can <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I do like to get the names right It was it's Tyler Biadas by the way, from earlier, yeah. just to show off. Well, it's like Polish, isn't anyway, it? Because it's got an S and a Z in it. So, Biadas, yeah. I, I don't know. Biadas, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on to someone that we can pronounce. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this one off because you've started yeah, a lot of the time. Um, easy one to pronounce because we're, we're used to saying it, I guess, being NFL fans. I'm going to talk about the Big 12. I'm going to talk about a guy called AJ Green. Not the Bengals receiver, obviously. Uh, cornerback, again, from Oklahoma State. He's six foot one, 190. Um, this cornerback class is really, really good. That's why I kind of said earlier that I could basically just have a list of cornerbacks to talk about, one of each, one from each division. Maybe I'll make that an article. Who knows? Um, I think AJ Green is in the second tier of corners, because I think it's quite a lot of really good ones who are kind of in the top. I think Green's got all the tools. He's long, he's lean, he's fluid, plenty quick enough. You know, So you've got all those you know, athletic traits and sort of like... I want to say, I don't know, natural given dimensions and things like that. However, I feel like I don't really trust him yet and I don't think he trusts himself in terms of technique and the actual like nuances of playing corner. He's really, really grabby, seems kind of desperate. You know, when, when someone goes past him, runs by him, he doesn't seem comfortable with that. He seems to have, want to have everything in front of him and he gets very handsy. And obviously in the NFL, you know, we know how the rules are bent towards the offence nowadays and how much I hate that. And, and you know, he's, he's going to be just drawing flags the whole time if he if he's like that. So yeah, I think he needs to step it up a notch this coming season. Again, I'm just kind of signposting here um, if he's going to be anything more than a day two pick in this draft class, which is where I think he is currently. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's going to have the opponents to prove himself. The Big Twelve, you know, they don't play much defense, so he's going to have a lot of good receivers to go up against. And listen to this for I was looking for Oklahoma State's uh, schedule. He's going to play Colin Johnson from Texas. He's going to play C.D. Lamb, Oklahoma. He's going to play T.J. Vasher from Texas Tech, Denzel Mims from Baylor, and Jalen Rigol from TCU. And that's all in his division. Yeah, he's going to he's going to have uh, yeah he's going to have some opponents. He's going to get thrown at. He's going to have some opportunities yeah. out there. You know, and he got four picks last year, so he's got the ball skills. Uh, so look at that opponent, you know, get the popcorn out for for that little gauntlet that he's got. To well, run. It, and if he runs it well, then that's a difference between being a, a day two guy and a day mm. and day one guy, right? Um, you know, exactly, cause yeah. at the moment, I think maybe Trevon Diggs from Alabama and possibly Shane Carter from Alabama as well. The two sort of sent, uh, quarterbacks at the moment who are leading the league. But yeah, definitely space for another one in, in, in that first round. So if he can get through that gauntlet, definitely. Um I can see mm. him moving into day one. Yeah, for sure. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of good cornerbacks. I'm going to talk about one for the Pac-12. There's a couple in the Pac-12 that I kind of could yeah. mention. Christian Fulton from LSU. You know, DBU. We were just talking about yeah, that earlier. Yeah. You know, there's so many. CJ Henderson uh, from Florida. There's lots. There's loads. But yeah, like you say, you know, if you're going to go up against the best competition, it's the best chance to prove yeah. yourself. So AJ Green definitely has that chance. Whether he'll do it or not is a different story. But yeah, looking forward to watching him in Oklahoma State in the Big yeah. 12. Yeah, you, you. Well, you mentioned there, uh, Colin, ja- Colin Johnson. Well. 
I'm going to go ahead and take his quarterback for one to watch in the Big 12, and that's Big Sam Ellinger, of course. Now, I know you and uh, I think it's Thomas, isn't it, had a, had a head-to-head. It was, is, yeah. is that out, is that been released yeah. yet, or is that coming? It's 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 on the it's way. On the way. It's, uh, I'm yeah. intrigued, intrigued to see what's going to be written here. Now, I I wasn't sure on Ellinger until I watched a lot more tape on him this off season. Having watched a lot, a lot of tape on him, I think he's brilliant. I really do. Um, um, and I'm so you're, I think you're on the downslope, aren't you, for Ellinger? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I am. I mean, I think he's fun. Uh, I don't think he's good. I think he's fun. I think he's fun to watch. I'd hate to have you on my team. So if I was a Texas fan, I would not like it. Yeah, really? he gives you good highs, but he gives you a lot of lows. See, as well, I, I, think. I think Sam Ellinger's the type of person that Texas haven't had one of these guys for a long while, and I think that people in Texas are wearing Ellinger jerseys um, because he's that kind of a player. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's, he's polarizing, I guess, but at the same time, he's got the skill. If he could nurture it, he could be in the NFL. He could be a good NFL quarterback, I think. Um, but we do differ, me and you, on, on NFL quarterbacks because you know we've, we had the discussion last week about the mm-hmm. uh, New England backup, didn't we, uh, for uh, for Tom Brady? Yeah, the uh, yeah Danny Atling. No, not Danny it? Atling. The other guy. Um, oh, Jarrett Stidham. Yeah, Sorry, I was d- going back, back yeah, too far. Jarrett, yeah, Jarrett, Jarrett Stidham. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I I didn't mind Jarrett Stidham last year. I thought he was all right, uh, but you didn't particularly like him. And I think it's the same for Ellinger. But I, I yeah, I think with Colin Johnson. I think them two are going to be brilliant this year. I can't wait. I've got I've got mm-hmm. Colin Johnson in our fantasy league together, and I can't wait to see him go off this year. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Colin Johnson. I did an article about him uh, in my draft deja vu. It's the first one I did because I was that excited about him. Uh, he was one of the first receivers that I started to watch when I started yeah. to watch tape for this coming year. Um, and yeah, he just instantly just stood out. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I'm looking forward to seeing Ellinger. I mean, I, I'm not got anything against Sam Ellinger. Of course. I just don't think he's as far along as as what people are making out and I don't think he's you know I think I think I see deficiencies that are going to be there the whole time I think that's why I've put him down as one to watch because I think mm. he it will be interesting to see which way he goes whether he does improve or whether he kind of stays at the same level and is this kind of polarizing guy that, that you, you're seeing at the moment that you're kind of down on but he's one to watch because he could change your mind if he turns out to be awesome this year and steps up a level then you might change your opinion yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Definitely open to that. I mean, he's he's just finished his sophomore season. He's going into his junior season, so he's still got two more yep. years. Uh, you know, maybe even a third if he if he's not graduating to to have a graduate year as well. But yeah, no, he's definitely got some good traits. I definitely, he's definitely is one to watch in the sort of in in the broadest sense because he is fun to watch. So yeah, he's putting Texas back on the map as you say as yep. well. So yeah, it should be should be good, should be good good to watch them, uh, and especially when you've got receiving talent like Colin Johnson to watch yep. as well. Awesome. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Pac-12. I'm gonna go off first yep. again because uh, it's my favorite conference. And again, another cornerback, uh, Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah. Again, one uh, six foot one and one ninety, same as AJ Green in terms of dimensions. Uh, Utah, it's you know it's not a very fashionable college or program, but they have got a super talented defense. Yes, they have. And I think Jalen Johnson's the best player on it. To be honest, he's a long physical corner. Uh, plays inside and out, comes to win zone and man. So obviously he's got all those attributes that you you would desire. Um, I think he's best in press man coverage because he is super physical. I think he likes to just route to route timings and and just general timings of the quarterback because I don't think you'll see a more feisty and competitive corner in, in college football this year. He he's physical at the line. He's physical down the field. And but in a in in a in a different way than AJ Green. I think with uh, Jalen Johnson, he's not grabby because he is desperate he's grabby because he's just physical and he's just redirecting and he's kind of he just tread the line between what would draw a flag and what would not but he's kind of clever with it as well because he kind of maneuvers his body yeah in a way that would manipulate the the, the receiver and it uses the sideline really well that's one the one thing that i've got kind of circled in my notes he uses the sideline as an extra defender really well which is really good nuance of playing cornerback that i'd really like to see um, and one of the games that I watched um, was the Stanford game from last year, and Johnson and, a- and JJ Arcega Whiteside. That that was some yeah. battle throughout the game. And I had JJ Arcega Whiteside as my wide receiver five last year, uh, so I was uh, quite high on him. Um, and I had you know a few good receivers right, but, you know after that in uh, six and seven. And JJ Arcega Whiteside just bullied a lot of corners that he came up against, but not not Jalen Johnson. Uh, and if you watch that game, Jalen Johnson gets a beautiful pick six and takes it back hundred yards. So he's got that long speed as well. 
Um, so yeah, I'll be covering the Pac-12 for the full 10 yards college team and I'll be watching a fair bit of Utah this season because I think they're going to be good and so is their defence. Obviously, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, Jalen Johnson, definitely one of the guys I'm looking forward to. The, the Utes are good. They're, they're a quiet team to have a really good season this year, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think so. They got uh, four players on the all-Pac-12 defence. Mm. Uh, so yeah, they've got some talent. Bradley and I uh, led to... No, Foki led to something like that. He's a defensive tackle. He's like... I think he led the Pac-12 in sacks from defensive tackle. So, uh, yeah, watch out. I, I need to research that name properly. It's one way around. It's like a Polynesian Hawaiian name. I can't remember exactly yeah, there's which a, way around it yeah, is. There is a few of them in the league, isn't there? <laughs> I think it's like Fotu Leki or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Pac-12 offense, hit me with it. Uh, okay, um, again, as with the, the sort of the Big Ten, really, there's there's so many different talents I could have chosen a few honorable mentions before I go into it obviously you've mentioned Justin Herbert already the quarterback from Oregon mm. um, you know he's the real deal he's, he's probably going to be a top five pick next year um, it was in the draft this year but then dropped out to have another year in college um, which I think was well received in Oregon um, LaVisca Chanel is another one I want to mention here wide receiver Big from fan. Colorado he I mean He's definitely the number two to Jerry Judy, in my opinion, um, and slightly ahead of Rondell Moore. So, so yeah, and again, another one to watch out for. Um, and another offensive tackle, Walker Little from Stanford as well. Um, he's projected to go fairly high in the first round um, as, as a tackle. Uh, but my, I've gone for another running back. Uh, sorry to be a bit boring, uh, but it's uh, it's Eno Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. Five ten, two hundred one pounds. Last year he had three hundred rushing attempts for sixteen hundred and forty two yards and sixteen rushing touchdowns. The stats are all there for Eno Benjamin to head into this year and really put his mark on the league as one of the league's best rushers. He, yeah, he's really impressive running back. Like you say, he's got the volume, he's got some receiving stats, he's got some receiving touchdowns, and then rushing yep. is off the scale, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. So I'm looking for like a repeat performance, and then yeah, I think he'll be right up there in the. the I think he'll be in the first round of contention because I think, I think again, yep. like we're talking about positional value. I think there's kind of a little bit of conference value as well because I think if you're playing in the SEC, you kind of get a bit of a bump up as well in terms of of you know. It's like buying a brand, a name brand, isn't it? You know, you, if you know you're getting an SEC talent, then you, you know that we're yeah. well coached and things like that. And not that the Pac-12 is a bad conference in any way, but I think it's just seen as a lesser conference than than the SEC certainly. So yeah, no, I, I really like Eno Benjamin. I think he's a great running back. I'm looking to see, looking forward to watching Arizona State and seeing what he can produce again because I think he'll be in yeah. for a big workload again. I think we're going to see 300 plus touches again. I think we're we're going to be we're going to be spoilt this year with running backs in college. Uh, I think last year was pretty, especially for the draft, because last year was a bit underwhelming. Obviously, mm. Uh, mm. Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders were the sort of the two big hitters, uh, but there was, that was about it for talent-wise. Whereas this year, there is sort of five or six really sort of elite-level rushing back uh, running backs. Um, but I do wonder that this, the running back market in the NFL is a little bit saturated. So I wonder if someone like Eno Benjamin might end up going back to college and doing a Justin Herbert from last year and having a senior year and coming into the, the 2021 draft potentially. Um, so we have to keep your eye out on that later on in the season. But but no, definitely looking forward to seeing this guy uh, yeah, improve on that 1,600 rushing yards. I, I think he will do this year. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point, actually. Because um, obviously if the if the sort of top of the draft is, is kind of crowded and then he's going to only get yeah. drafted in, the, in day two, say, but then like next year he's maybe looking at the back end of the, the first, then yeah, he could be. I guess the other side of the coin is, is wear and tear. And if you're going to get 300 more carries after taking 300 carries in 2019, you know, you're looking at almost 1,000 carries in college and then you're coming into the new rookie season a little bit older and then have you got too much to yeah. off the tyres I guess it's a, it's a different you know it's it's two sides of the coin I guess but yeah no Eno Benjamin's Eno Benjamin is really good I'm really looking forward to, to seeing him yep so that's the conferences wrapped up um, we've just got our wild cards to go so this is like the gloves are off the handcuffs are off and uh, yeah just <laughs> speak about whoever you like so yeah go for it who's your wild card player yeah, well, shock and horror, it's another running back. Um, <laughs> as, uh, I just I just love this running back class. I really do. I think it's going to be so good. And Michael Warren Jr. from Cincinnati is uh, an unbelievable talent. Uh, 5'11", 218 pounds, 19 rushing touchdowns last year for Cincinnati. 1,329 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. Um not too bad in the receiving game either. 232 yards off 25 receptions for a touchdown. So, 
yeah, a guy who's got it all. And again, heading into this year, I, j- I just I just think he's just going to be awesome for Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati are a team that are a little bit underrated. Um, they tend to be floating around in the top 25. So, you know, it's not a, not a small school necessarily. Um, being in the in the American is is uh, you get slightly left out there a little bit. But like I said, I think for for being in a not in one of these big schools, I think it's a good chance for him to get more recognised as well. So if he can build on that 1,300 yards rushing from last year and be around about the sort of 19 touchdowns again, then he's got an excellent chance of being a top prospect heading into next year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a position that is quite translatable. You know, you can see small school guys getting drafted quite high all the time. Rashad Penny, I think, is a recent example of that yeah. coming out of San Diego State. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest, I've not watched a great deal of Michael Warren, but yeah, the stats that you just reeled off are really, really impressive. And looking at Cincinnati's yeah. schedule, he's definitely going to come up against some some good competition. You know, they play Ohio State in week two. They've got UCF, obviously, there's another American conference team. Uh, yeah. Flicking down the list, they, they've got a, they've got a few good games, and you know the American Conference isn't too far behind. Um, you know it, it, the top level of it isn't too far behind the the rest of the other Power yeah, Five. Yeah, I would yeah. say you know and Cincinnati are up there with with the rest, and they are ranked. Um, the AP rankings obviously came out last week, and Cincinnati twenty fourth, and that says a lot for their their program. So yeah, no, he, he yeah. could be one of the stars, and yeah, if you looking to repeat that in your junior season in terms of stats and performances and how he does it and getting the amount of touchdowns, you know, 20 scrimmage touchdowns is is going to be right up there again and someone's going to definitely take a chance on that. So, yeah, no, I like that shout. It's a really good, really good mention for him. Yeah, it was, like I said, it's, it's Cincinnati aren't, the, aren't really the smallest of schools and like you said, the AAC is probably the next best division after the Power Five, but, I mean, they're, they're no sort of Georgia State or you know Louisiana Raging Cajuns mm-hmm. are they they're, 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 you know they're a recognisable team so he's got a good chance like I said a good, good schedule this year um, to really put himself um, on, on well and truly in contention to be a top pick yeah definitely um, look out for a UCLA game in the, in the first week because I don't think UCLA are going to be very good so you know if you can tear it up against a, a, a good recognised big programme historic programme then you know it's going to set yep. the stall out quite nicely for his season exactly Awesome. Okay, so my wild card, I'm just going to go straight into it. Obviously, it's a Pac-12 guy, but I'm going to shock everyone. I'm going to talk some offense for a change. <laughs> um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so my, my wild card is actually Khalil Tate. He's the quarterback for Arizona. He's six foot one, two fifteen. Khalil Tate, man, I want to see Arizona get back to where they were in 2017. I want to see him get back to where he was in 2017. Yes. In 2017, the Wildcats managed to average 41.3 points per game scoring 71 touchdowns that is lighting the scoreboard up and it's all yeah. it's all via the run um arizona's offense racked up 4,000 rushing yards on the season and who was the rushing leader Khalil tate Khalil tate had 1,411 yards um he led the conference with 9.2 yards per attempt and scored 12 times on the ground um Jesus. so yeah he can he can scoot <laughs> let's, let's just say that um yeah unfortunately last year he had a high ankle sprain so he had like barely any rushing attempts. He had barely any rushing yards. I think it was like two hundred and something. Um, you know, so a massive, two, two, four. yeah, a massive, massive drop off. Um, I want to see that back. Mm. I want to see him in rushing. I want to see him moving. And it's not just about rushing ability. I feel like when I watch his tape, he's got some nice throws in there. I think he can throw um, on the move as well, which obviously makes him a nice dual threat. It's not, it's not just a Lamar Jackson light kind of thing that we see uh, in the NFL at the moment, where he is basically a running back. Um, playing quarterback, so if he turns out a nice season, puts up the good rushing numbers, good passing numbers, I think you know he could be he could be moving right up the boards. Um, I think the NFL like him because as a core of seniors, and I'm just talking about senior quarterbacks, there's not a lot there. You know, all the quarterbacks that we're talking about are underclassmen, so I think he could rise up the rankings really, really quickly, and I'm all for it because I think he's a really exciting player. Yeah, like you said, the the NFL, the way the NFL is going, these these types of quarterback the guys that are mobile they're they're more welcome in the league that's the way the league's going you don't see necessarily the sort of mm-hmm. the philip rivers and the ben roethlisberger of yesteryear they're not coming through the the, the the teams want these lamar jackson kyler murray kind of players that are mobile that can use their feet that are clever using their feet they're clever getting out of the pocket like russell wilson that type of player and and yeah definitely uh khalil tate is is definitely one that's going to be exciting to watch this year providing he can get back to that yeah exactly and i mean it, it might fall flat on his face and he might it might be an offense of change and things like that, that that might just preclude him from that you know they might try and make him into something he isn't and he's not really a pocket passer he wants to be on the move 
you know, even if it's just like rollouts, like Jared Goff says, uh, Jared Goff gets in uh, in with the Rams. You know, it'll utilize his mobility and get him outside the pocket. I think that's what I want to see more than anything. Yeah. Um, and you know, if if more rushing yards come off that, and I'm not saying he needs to get 1,400 again, but you know, if he can get you know a good few hundred, then you know he's going to be right up there in terms of the seniors. So yeah, no, I'm, yep. I'm looking forward to watching him and really hoping more than anything him to get back to his uh, his self of a few years, a couple of years ago. Awesome. Yep, so that that pretty definitely. much wraps us up. Um, anyone else that you want to sort of Woo-hoo! mention as an honorable mention that you've not that you've not so far, or did you get them all in? Um, I think I got most of them in. I think just flicking through my notes, uh, yeah, I got them all in. Obviously, like I said, the the, the running backs for mm-hmm. me are, are key. Um, the three wide receivers, Lavisca Chanel, Rondell Moore, and uh, Jerry Judy. Uh, they're just going to be so exciting to watch. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm so excited. Did you say it's 18 days yes. till, yeah, till day until zero? Yeah, until week zero, and then we're obviously going to be all watching oh. the the Florida game, aren't we? And, you know, and uh, that's the first game that kicks it all off. I think it's a Florida game, then it's a Hawaii game as well. There's two yeah. two games to kick us off. I haven't got the fiction in front of me, which I probably should have prepared, but I yeah. haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm buzzing, absolutely buzzing for it. A Saturday night watching watching BT Sport. Exactly. Can't get back. Can't get so yeah, back. that wraps us up. Um, so what's just going to do a bit of um, a traditional kind of what we used to do on fourth down, Rob? What, what's coming up in the fantasy sort of branch this week? Just before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, coming up this week, I obviously just dropped uh, the other day. Uh, the other day was um, a latest podcast with. Uh, Tom Kislinberry, we're talking running back committees and running back backups is what we're talking about. Uh, but there's also another podcast dropping real soon. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros. Uh, that was recorded last night and that will be live either today or tomorrow. Um, and they had plenty of content on the website for NFL Fantasy. Uh, loads of articles dropping over the next couple of weeks. So do go yeah, check, you keep checking out. The work. It's been really good to see. Really good content coming out from you guys. Uh, yeah, um, just from just from our point of view, obviously we're going to start previewing, and we have started previewing all the conferences. Um, that's going to continue until the until week zero in a few days. Um, aside from that, obviously we've got supply lines that'll be that'll be going through. Clemson wide receivers is the latest one. So if you're a Tigers fan or Trevor Lawrence fan, get yourself over to websites we mentioned earlier. Uh, next Tuesday we'll open on the defensive side of the ball again. Uh, a little tease for you there that we've got a uh, play that we mentioned today. It will be mentioned again. Anyway, that should just about do us for this, so let's get out of here. Uh, so we'll do this traditionally, Rob. A goodbye from Rob. <laughs> Got in. <laughs> Take it easy, peeps. And goodbye from me. Bid you farewell until next time, and we'll see you on the other side. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com